0: Hey, we're so glad you decided to join us on YouTube. You're about to hear a message from our teaching team. We hope this message helps equip you for freedom and to find purpose in your everyday life. We stream our online services every Sunday. You can visit us at freedomhouse.cc live to connect with us and become part of our online campus. We know that you're gonna enjoy this message you're about to watch. Hello, church, and welcome to Freedom House. My name is Penny Maxwell. My husband, Troy, and I are the senior pastors here at Freedom House. And I love that we have campuses all over the city, and we have live teachers and speakers at those campuses. So my husband is at our South End campus today. Olin is at our uh, Lake Norman campus. And then I also get to speak to all the live streamers from all over the world. So let's welcome them in. We are so glad that you are joining us, no matter what state, no matter what country, we are glad that you are here with us today, and we look forward to one day you coming in the room here with all of us and hanging out with us, so welcome to you as well. Well, we are in a series that we have just kicked off called Camouflage. Can you, can you see the theme? Can, do, do you like it? Can you see me or did I disappear? Am I still there? So, we're in this series called Camouflage that's kicking off today, and it's all about spiritual warfare. You see, when I became a Christian, I loved Psalms 23. And it says, it says this, it says, we walk beside the still waters. We lie down in green pastures. I also like the part where it says, you anoint my head with oil and my cup runs over. I like the surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. But I remember early on in my Christian years, I kind of skipped over the part that said there are enemies that are before me. Like, you prepare a table before me in the midst of my enemies. Wait, wait, enemies? But I'm on Jesus' side. Why why do I have any enemies? Or the part that says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Wait, I'm a Christian. Why am I going to walk through the valley of the shadow of death? And so what I didn't understand in the early years is that when I became a Christian, I literally signed up to be a member of a battle. I signed up to be a soldier in the war, to be a soldier in the army of God, and it's taken me a while because I got saved when I was younger, and there was a lot of things I didn't understand, but I didn't understand what spiritual warfare was all about. You see, as a young person who got saved, I really mostly understood the things that I could see and not understanding there was a whole entire realm in the spirit that I couldn't always see. Sometimes God will peel back the layer and he'll allow you to see what's going on in the spirit. And sometimes if we're if we're not familiar with that, it might freak us out a little bit. Because it's unfamiliar. What I would like to do during this entire series is help you understand and become familiar with the supernatural because here's the thing about God. He's not spooky or scary. And he's not weird. People are, but God's not. And sometimes people do stupid stuff and blame it on the Lord, and it's not God's fault. God is a gentleman. He's always been a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman, and he does not force himself upon us, right? So in this series, we're going to be talking about the forces that we can see, which is the earthly realm, and the forces that we can't see, which is the heavenly realm. And all through the Bible, from Genesis to Revelation, you see encounters with earth and heaven. All throughout it. You can't find one book of the Bible where the spiritual realm and the earthly realm are not interacting in some way, shape, or form. Whether it's angelic, whether it's demonic, whether it's God coming and showing up, whatever it is, you see that all throughout the Bible. So maybe you and I as Christians need to understand the battle that we are in because oftentimes we are fighting things we have no business fighting. We are fighting people or fighting situations that really isn't the issue. It just happens to manifest and show up in the physical realm But it's already happening in the spirit, and then the physical realm is actually secondary. And so if we could understand what spiritual warfare really is, it could change a lot about the way that we live our life. I wrote this definition down for spiritual warfare, and it's really just this. The epic battle that is happening in the unseen realm. The invisible battlefield that we are fighting is being fought in a spiritual place. So this series, Camouflage, is all about the things that are there that you might not necessarily see. They may look like they're invisible. They may look like they're hidden, but they're actually there. And so we're going to kick this off by understanding that there are actually forces, demonic forces, that are sent to oppose you and your family. In the same right... There is God and his host of angels that are also there to fight for you and with you against those demonic forces. So it seems to me we might want to understand a little bit about the spiritual realm. And you know what kind of frustrates me is the devil gets a lot of airtime and it makes me mad. He even tries to make things like angels, which are not wimpy by any means, make them look like they're fat babies in diapers that float around on clouds. Angels are quite the opposite. They're powerful, they're strong, they're mighty, and they are actually dispatched on our behalf when we pray and ask the Lord. Yeah, that's a good place to clap. So let's start, let's start in this verse. This is going to kick our series off. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. We've got to understand that. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world. There is a world that's unseen against mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. In other words, what this verse is saying is don't try to fight things down here when the battle is up there. We've got to make sure we're fighting the right things. As a matter of fact, Moses said to Joshua before he went in to take the promised land, he said to him, he said, hey, listen, don't be afraid of them. The Lord, your God himself will fight for you. In other words, there's something happening that you can't even see. Let God do his thing. Let him do his thing. David said to Goliath, when it looked like a small boy was coming against a giant, David said to him, Hey, everyone who's gathered here will know that it is not by sword or by spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. He basically let him know, you may be looking at a 17-year-old boy, but there is Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit inside of me, and it will take you down, you uncircumcised Philistine. And it may look foolish because it just doesn't seem to match up in the natural. But in the spirit, man, when you peel back that layer and you see what God is doing, he can take down any enemy that we have if we understand how to use the weapons that God gave us. See, here's the thing that oftentimes we don't understand. We see attacks that happen against us, and we think it's a physical attack. We don't understand what is literally happening in the spirit realm, what is literally going on because we get focused on the natural. For those of you who are parents who have kids that have ever acted out before, Sometimes we just think, man, they're acting like a knucklehead. We don't realize. They're like, yeah. We don't realize that oftentimes there's a spiritual battle going on that we can't even see. And instead of just getting mad or angry, why don't we go pray over their room? Why don't we anoint their room? Why don't we tell the spirits that are trying to oppose our family to stop? Because that doesn't have authority over us. But sometimes we want to engage in the natural instead of engaging in the spiritual. Because the natural seems a little easier to understand. But it's just like Jesus said to Peter when Peter was acting immature and foolish and like a knucklehead. He said, Peter, you don't really understand what's happening right now. This this is a spiritual thing. Peter, do you understand that Satan is trying to sift you like wheat? Do you really understand what's going on? Because see, oftentimes we get focused on just what we can see. We don't understand what's happening in the heavenly realm. You thought maybe your coworker or the person you work with, your boss, you thought it was just y'all just didn't like each other. Sometimes their assignment's sent to divide. And maybe instead of attacking the person, we can go after the source and bring down those principalities and powers and things that are happening in the spiritual realm, which really is where our battle is. I mean, some of us, we think, you know what? I, I, I'm feeling sick. I've got sickness in my body. Did you know a lot of sickness is not necessarily physical, but it started in the spiritual realm, and it just manifested itself in the physical realm? You say, give me a scripture. Show me where that's true. I'll give you Old Testament and New Testament. Job in the Old Testament, the Bible says that Satan came after him because of his walk with the Lord, and he was jealous And it says he put sickness on his body. And it says that he also took away his money, split his relationship with his wife, got them fighting against each other, tried to destroy his family. And he didn't lose his hope in God. You know, he never cursed God even though he was upset. You know, many times when something happens with us, the first thing we do is we get mad at God. We want to go, why me? Why? And we get in a pity party. And Job actually did get in a pity of a pity party. But he said, I will never curse you, God. i curse the day I was born because I'm feeling all this stuff. But God, I will not curse you. And we see where in the end, Job was restored. His health was restored. But it was a spiritual thing that was happening that manifested in his body. We also see the same thing in the New Testament in many, many different scenarios, but we see it happen with Paul. Paul is literally someone who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, and it says that he had this thorn in his flesh. He had this sickness that wasn't relenting. And he said, you know, I understand what it is. It's a messenger of Satan sent to buffet me. Because think about it. When we're sick, we can't think about anybody else in the moment. We're just trying to get better, right? Right? Sometimes the enemy will send something like that to try to distract us and get us off our game. And sometimes we got to understand that things are spiritual. They're not always physical. We've got to understand this, that we are a spirit. We live in a body and we have a soul. We are a three-part being. We're three parts. And sometimes we only look at two of those parts. We look at our soul, which is made up of our mind, our will, and our emotions. And we look at our bodies. And we forget that there's a whole other realm. We're three parts. And to deny any three of those parts is to actually deny the Trinity itself because we are made in the image of God. Three parts, three parts. So we've got to understand when we're fighting battles, sometimes the things we're looking at aren't necessarily what we're really looking at. See, you thought maybe the devil, you know, wasn't involved in your marriage. But you know what? There is nothing he likes more than to separate. There is nothing he likes more. And let me give you a a good little scenario of what a demonic attack looks like. It looks like what's happening to marriage right now. Literally, there are demonic forces that have been sent out to destroy marriage. Literally destroy marriage. Inner fighting, the divorce rates are higher than they've ever been. And then people are confused at even what marriage is. And some churches are even afraid to stand up and declare what marriage is because they're afraid of backlash. Let me just tell you something the word of God is the word of God. Marriage is between one man and one woman. Period. The end. There is no discussion. It doesn't matter what the Supreme Court says. The word of God trumps it all. There is an attack on marriage. Why? Because if you can rattle marriage, the very covering of that family is exposed. So we've got to get back to the word of God and understand, listen, there is literally a demonic assignment sent to destroy marriages. And as long as I have breath in my lungs, I'm going to speak against that. And let me just throw this in there too. There's also a demonic attack on our men. I pray that our men rise up and be the leaders of God spiritually in the households that they were meant to be. Because no matter how strong and bold we are as women, listen, I am no shrinking violet, but I tell you what, I love a godly man that can lead. There there is an attack against masculinity. And as a woman, I can say this. I support the men of this house. You are not our enemy. You are our ally. And I honor you. We honor you. But I will tell you this. I haven't always got it right as a wife. My husband's not at this campus today. But he was here last night when I shared this. Sometimes, if we are not careful, we don't even understand the role we play in actually bringing somebody else down. We are unsuspecting pawn, a participant that we don't even realize we've been joining in. In the early days of our marriage, I got married when I was 20 years old, and I'll be 48 this year, so have been married a while, so I want you to know this happened when I was 20, so y'all just got to go ahead and like... Like, don't don't beat me up over it. I know it wasn't good what I did, and I repented long ago, and I changed my ways. But I just want you to know what I did so you can understand that we've got to be careful because even something we do without even meaning to can lend credit to bringing people down. So I was 20 years old, long time ago, long, long time ago, right? I got kids older than that. So... Twenty years old, I got married, and uh, and you know, for those of you who have heard the story between Pastor Troy and I, he he got saved and he was newly saved and he was just going after Jesus with all of his heart. But I'm the one who actually brought him to church. He got saved, and then after he got saved, it's amazing how good looking he became. You know. <laughs> So we started dating after he just started following Jesus with all of his heart. And the funny thing is, is after he got saved and was just really on this path with the Lord, he started, like, correcting me for my life. Wanted to know why I was listening to that music. Why I was hanging around with those people. And why was I even at the party where I met him? I said, just to get you, baby. Just to get you. But, but he, he, like, started correcting me and preaching at me, and he's been doing it ever since. But... But I told him, I said, listen, I said, "Uh, I led you to the Lord. Don't you be like telling me. (laughs) But we were sitting on the front row of church one day back in Richmond, Virginia. Big choir up in the the loft. And uh, the pastor says, hey, I really feel like somebody here has a word from God and they need to share this word. And I I knew my husband had been acting funny during worship and I knew, like, I could just tell there was like a moment something was going on, but I'm also thinking this joker just hadn't been saved that long. (laughs) Like, he's going to embarrass the family. He's like, and so he leans over to me and he goes, I think that's me. And I lean back and I said, I don't think it is. (laughs) And he's like, you don't. And I go, let's just put it like this. If you're wrong... This whole church is gonna know you were wrong and he's gonna sit you back down. So, do you think he came up and said anything? No. No, he didn't. Church was over, and I'm thinking, whew, tragedy averted. Praise Jesus. We saved the family name. All is well. Services dismissed. This man from way up here in the choir loft comes all the way down, and he beelines it for Troy and I, who are sitting on the front row. And he's like, hey, Troy, come here, come here. And he's like, yes, sir. You know, he's an older gentleman. He was being respectful. He said, yes, sir. He said, the Lord told me that he gave you a word to give during church tonight, and you didn't do it. He looks at me and goes, it was her. It was her. I mean, I was so embarrassed, and I felt so bad, but can I just tell you at 20 years old, I learned a really big lesson. I was actually used as an unwilling pawn to literally stop something that God was trying to do in the spirit because of one little word that I said. Do you know what I learned? I learned that there's nothing as powerful as a wife's whisper. Wives, we've got to use our whisper in the right way. One word that we say can lift our husbands very high or bring them very low. The power that God gave us has to be used under restraint. And so here I am, I said these words to him, and I learned a lesson, y'all. I don't think I've done that since, but I learned a very powerful lesson. Sometimes we can be used by the enemy to inflict pain or cause someone else to stand back. And that's exactly what happened. I'm going to tell you, I've seen a lot of things. Seen a lot of things happen. I can tell you another demonic attack that is happening right now in our country is there's an attack for people, like literally coming after people's identity. You see suicide like you have never seen suicide before. Attacking people's confidence and self-esteem and their identity and who they are. Literally people that you would never even think that would kill themselves, have killed themselves. Pastors, government leaders, heads of corporations. Why? Because there is literally an assignment that the enemy has sent out to destroy you. To confuse you. To make you think it's just you. If you could just end your life, everything would be okay. And he's starting them young. Depression, intense anxiety. Like, is there any way out of what I'm going through? And instead of learning and understanding what's happening in the spiritual realm, we're giving into this and succumbing. And I don't always share certain things in an open public forum. I did share this story at a women's conference a few years back But I want you to understand something about the spiritual realm. It's real. It's real. It's not anything for us to be afraid of. Because see, Jesus who lives in us is stronger than any force that would come against us. But I want you to understand just how real it is. I want to tell you that something that happened, there's, I could give you story after story after story, but this is one of the most interesting ones that I remember, and it has to do with this suicidal spirit. It was, um, the church was probably about two years old. We were way back in the, our very first building, University Meadows Elementary School. We were in the auditorium. We had just finished church, and in between services, I saw a woman who was off to my right, and I knew there was something that wasn't right. And as I got a little closer, I saw something dark on her shoulder, on her left shoulder. And I went over to her, and I realized that it was a demon that was on her shoulder. And there's a couple thoughts that went through my mind, like, how did it come into church with her? Do you know what I'm saying? The other thing is, why is it there? Because demons don't get to come into our life unless we invite them in. So why is it there? And then I saw it literally lean over and started whispering in her ear. It's crazy. And I went up to her, and the first thing I did was I asked her. I said, are you okay? And she said, no, actually, I'm not. She said, I keep hearing these voices in my head telling me to take my life, to end my life, that I'm not worth anything. And I told her, I said, do you realize there is literally right now, there is a demon on your shoulder that is whispering in your left ear? And she said, that's where I keep hearing it, this side of my head. And so I said, well, here's the thing. I said, God is a God of order and authority. And I said, I will pray with you and this spirit has to go, but you have to allow me to do that and you have to want it gone because if you don't, it will come and bring back more. Do you want this gone? And she said, yes, I do. And she started crying and I prayed over her and that thing literally jumped off her shoulder and ran right for the door. And I remember thinking, oh, I would think it would go through the wall. I'm just being honest with (laughs) y'all. Like, I'm like, why did it go through a door? The door was further away. I'm literally going, like, it was a little interesting, to say the least, right? Not the first time we've encountered spiritual things. And so it runs out the door, and I literally started praying over her. And you know what she said to me? Because I told her, I said, don't let this come back. And she said, actually, I'm really ticked off right now. She said, because I thought this was just my own voice. I thought it was just me down on me. I was upset at my life, at myself. She said, now that I realize it was an assignment against me and the devil was whispering in my ear, she said, I'm mad. She said, I'm never going to let him talk to me again. But what we don't understand sometimes is that literally things that are happening, they may look like they're happening in the natural, but there's a spiritual component at play. Maybe you've just been concerned about your job or about your finances or whatever it is. You might not understand there is a spiritual component to what you are facing. It's not all in the natural. Now, there are things in the natural we have to deal with. But we've got to understand there's three areas that we have to look at, spirit, soul, and body, not just one. Not just one. We've got to understand spiritual components. I want to read to you in 2 Chronicles. I want you to see where literally King Jehoshaphat is going out to fight a war. And at first he's thinking it's just completely in the natural. He's thinking, I'm going to fight this battle with sword, with spear. And I want you to see what God ends up doing. And I want you to see how King Jehoshaphat actually postures himself because that is huge. You want to know what side you're on? Always look for the one who has got a low posture. That's the Lord's side. Whenever I'm trying to figure something out and I'm looking at two sides battling, I'm always looking for who's got the low posture. That's the side that Jesus is on. 2 Chronicles 20. It says, Sometimes later, the Moabites, the Ammonites, were accompanied by the Meunites. They all joined forces. So three separate groups of people joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat received the intelligence report that there was a huge force on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to fight him. He said, there's no time to waste. They're already at Hazan Tamar, the oasis of En So what did he do when he realized there were three huge forces that united to come together against him? What did Jehoshaphat do? It says he was shaken. And then it says Jehoshaphat prayed. You know, that's exactly what happens to us oftentimes. We get shaken. But what do we do after the shaking? Do we pray? It says he was shaken, then he prayed. And it says he went to God for help, and he ordered a nationwide fast. The country of Judah united in seeking God's help, and they came from all the cities of Judah to pray to God. The Bible, if you keep reading, it says that they prayed out their pain. They prayed out their trouble. They said, God, we feel defenseless. God, we feel like we're going to get our butts whooped here. This is tough stuff, God. God, we're, we're struggling. We're hurting. We feel like there's more of them than for us. But then what happens if you keep reading? 2 Chronicles twenty fifteen. It says there was a Levite who spoke up by the Spirit of God, and he said, listen, listen. All you people of Jeru- Jerusalem and Judea, listen. King Jehoshaphat, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged by this mighty army, for the battle is not yours. Hey, I know what it looks like. I know that people seem like they're stacking up against you. But please understand, the battle is not yours. You can go out there and fight it with your fists, but this battle is not yours. But it's God's. He said, Tomorrow, here's what I want you to do. I want you to march out against them, and you will find them coming up through the ascent of Ziz at the end of the valley that opens into the wilderness of Jezreel. But you will not even need to fight. You will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground. And all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same thing, worshiping the Lord. What's so amazing is that all of those armies that united to come against them, the Bible literally says that when they got close, Judah and his army in Jerusalem, they were standing there. They didn't have to do a thing, that all of these armies actually turned on each other and annihilated each other, and they stood there and claimed the victory. How much easier is that than trying to fight things in our own strength? But, but the tendency is, well, this is what I see. But God's saying, doesn't matter what you see. You know, I was fussing a couple months ago to God, you know, because I think he likes it when we're just real. Do you know what I mean? I mean, he already knows what we're thinking. So I was just kind of fussing a few months ago. And I was like, you know what, God, leading out front, and those of you who are leading businesses, you're leading families, you understand this. When you're leading out front, there's a bullseye on your back. There is a bullseye on your back. And I was just like, you know what, God? I'm kind of tired of the bullseye. And you know what he said to me? He goes, yeah, there's a bullseye on your back, but I've got snipers on the roof. And I said, okay, well, I'm good then. (laughs) No worries for me, right? I love that. I've got snipers on the roof. So... Here's here's what I want to go through with you. I want to go through some things with you. We just talked about what happened with Jehoshaphat. There were some things that really stood out, and I want you to hear what he did. The first thing he did after he was shaken was he prayed and he fasted. Then after that, it says he united with his team. And then it says that they worshiped. How come when we are hurting or when we are going through a battle or a fight or we're in pain, the last thing we actually want to do is prayer worship? That's not our typical stance. When someone attacks you or hurts you, our typical stance is not to get on our knees and just start worshiping. But it's the very thing that will get us out of what we're dealing with. The thing we typically do is we call a friend and complain because we want somebody to feel bad with us. We say that we're calling them because we wanted advice and guidance, but if you call more than two people, you're not looking for advice, you're looking for pity. (laughs) And we also tend to go to Facebook or Instagram and post our woes there, our frustration, our, our anger, instead of spending time in prayer before the Lord or worshiping. We also like to pick up bitterness or anger or unforgiveness. Sometimes we like to pick up a glass of wine. We think we can just drink it away or some Ben and Jerry's. We can eat it away. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. The list goes on and on and on. But can I just tell you this? You can have all the human strength in the world, but without God's might, you will not win a spiritual battle. And sometimes when we're hurting or we're in pain or we're in the middle of that battle, we're saying, God, please change my circumstances. And God is saying, I'm actually trying to change you, not your circumstances. Because, see, what I've learned is we can either magnify our pain or our hurt or we can magnify our God, but we can't do both. We have to choose. And when I look through the Bible and I see all these people that went through wars or battles or things going on, I don't see one of them that didn't have pain to deal with, that didn't have disappointment to deal with. Every single one of them did. So maybe we just need to learn how to not always escape the battle, but learn how to be good soldiers in the battle. And so what I wanted to do um, right before I close out is I wanted to just give you a list of things that will help you in the battle. Weapons that you need to have in your arsenal. I gave you three of them already from the story of Jehoshaphat, prayer and fasting. That's one. Now the thing that's so important I want you to understand about prayer and fasting is check this out. When Daniel had prayed and he asked God to come because he had armies attacking him, He prayed and asked God to come and help. And then after 21 days, he kept praying and he kept fasting. And then after 21 days, the angel and the host, the heavenly host, come and they show up. And Daniel's like, where were you? Like 21 days ago, I prayed and asked for you to come and help me. And the angel looks at him and says, Daniel, from the very first moment that that prayer came off of your mouth, we were dispatched. We were immediately dispatched. It's just that, Daniel, there's things in the spiritual realm that we had to fight in order to get here. You see, the prince of Persia was over this area. And we had to fight through the prince of Persia and the prince of Greece in order to get here. So it's not that we weren't coming. We just had some battles in the heavenly realm to fight. But here we are, Daniel. And he said, There's, the war is still going. And they said, we're going to go back and take care of them in a minute, but we wanted to get you your answer first. You see, sometimes we think God has forgotten about us. It's not that God has forgotten. He dispatched your answer. It just has to get from heaven to earth. It has to get from heaven to earth. So prayer and fasting. The other thing is staying Unified. Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, the reason the Holy Spirit was able to come is because they were unified. Unity matters. Why do you think the devil is trying to separate all of us right now? Separate our colors, separate our genders, try to get us in fighting with each other. That's what happened with Jehoshaphat's opposing army. They all started fighting against each other and they ended up killing each other. Unity is where the power is, even if it's unified around the wrong thing. The Tower of Babel, they were unified around the wrong thing, and the tower crumbled because God said, oh, we can't let that happen. Uh Uh-uh, uh-uh, that's got to come down. Unity is important. Husband and wife, unity is important. Don't get out of unity because it leaves the rest of your family exposed. The devil would like nothing more than to destroy. Matter of fact, that's his assignment, to steal, to kill, to destroy. When you see those things showing up in your life, showing up in your finances, showing up in your business, steal, kill, destroy, you know that's an assignment from the devil. That's not God. Third thing we had talked about was worship. We talked about how Jehoshaphat bowed low and just began to worship It's amazing what God can do and how God likes to show up in our worship. He loves it. Here's the things I'm going to get to that are things we hadn't discussed yet. How else can we fight our battles with the right weapons? We've got to have the armor of God. What does that look like? What is the armor of God? Literally, the helmet of salvation. Why the helmet? Because it protects our thoughts. The breastplate of righteousness, because it protects all of our internal organs, our vital, our sensitive things, our heart. The shield of faith, because the devil is going to throw fiery darts at you, and the Bible says the shield of faith is what quenches them. The sword of the spirit, we can wield that sword, and not only is it a defensive weapon, it's also the only one in the arsenal that's an offensive weapon that we can literally charge the enemy with. We have the belt of truth that holds everything else up. And that's what I'm trying to give you today is the belt of truth. So we understand that everything else in our life can be undergirded and held up by the truth. Then there's the shoes of the gospel of peace. Literally everywhere our foot goes, that's holy ground. We claim it for the Lord. The armor is important. We have to put on the full armor. And I'm actually going to take a piece of that armor. I'm going to take out the sword of the spirit and make a whole nother category for it, the Bible. The sword is the Bible. It is what we build our life on. It is actually our battle plan. It is actually our tactical plan. Every single single thing we need to fight this war is in there. But unless we open it up and unless we apply it to our life, it won't work. You can have the manual in your hand, but if you do not open it up and read it and apply it, it does no good. It's an arsenal that we have in our weaponry. The next one, number six, this is one that that people don't really like to say, and I'm okay with that because it's in the Word of God, but it's submission. 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 You cannot have a good army without soldiers that are submitted to one another or submitted to the leadership. As a matter of fact, when we submit ourselves to God in James 4 7, it says, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. We're having a problem with the devil coming in and wreaking havoc. Submit to God, resist the devil. And he will flee from you. He has no choice. And submission is really this, is understanding authority. There is authority that we have to understand and submit ourselves to. And, you know, I used to wonder why when Jesus was standing there and he was being poked and prodded and and he was standing there being accused of all the things he was accused at, why he stood there. You know, my flesh would want to defend myself. I didn't do that. You guys are making this stuff up. That's wrong. Where'd you get that from? Jesus stood there because he was submitted to the Father. Can I just tell you that submission is not a weak stance? If you've ever had to shut your mouth when somebody was saying something against you and God told you to shut your mouth, submission is power under control. Because it's much easier to pop back, to say something back, than it is to allow yourself to be submitted to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and shut your mouth. It is a lot harder. It's not a weak stance. The last thing, the last arsenal, weapon in your arsenal, is the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Why is that? Because Revelations chapter 12, verse 11 says this. It says, you overcome the world by the blood of the lamb, in other words, what Jesus did on the cross, and the word of your testimony. How, how does the word of my testimony have any power to it? Do you remember in the Bible when the Pharisees were getting really angry with Jesus because he was going around and he was healing people and they were so angry Man, they were mad and they came up to this guy who was blinded that Jesus had healed. And they're like, What authority did he do this under? Who is he? Where did he come from? Where did he get? They're asking him all these questions. And he's like, Listen, I don't know the answers to all the questions you're asking me. All I can tell you is my experience. I was blind and now I see. I don't know anything else. All I can tell you is that I was blind and now I see. Sometimes we are not out there sharing our story because we think we've got to know all of what the Bible says. We've got to know every verse, every scripture. All you got to tell them is, listen, I was blind, but now I see. Because some people will try to refute the scriptures. But can I just tell you this? Let me tell you this. Nobody can refute your story and your testimony. That's where the power is. Will you stand on your feet? I'm going to tell you, there is nothing like sharing your story. But sometimes, because we've been listening to the devil, in whatever area it looks like in our lives, I just gave you lots of different areas where we let him speak. No matter what area it is, how about we let God's voice be louder? Because there are times I feel like that we are getting whooped upside the head. Literally, as Christians, the ones who have... Jesus Christ inside of us, we're getting whooped upside the head. Not because we don't have the weapons, but because we're not pulling the sword out of the sheath. Not because we haven't been given everything we need for life and godliness, but because we're not using it. Because, see, sometimes we can let the darkness of our situation or the darkness of our trial or the darkness of our battle or the darkness of what we're walking through overtake us. Paul and Silas were literally bound in chains, their wrists and their ankles in the lower part of the prison. And here they are, literally in the prison. And if you had me bound by my hands and my feet, and you had me in the lowest part of the prison, what would my stance be? Because see, like I said before, when we are going through something, the very thing we need to do, we often don't. We go to Facebook or we go to Instagram or we call, we phone a friend. What if we did like Paul and Silas and we just worshiped in our chains until they fell off? Paul and Silas were in that prison, and as they just began to worship, you see, their natural eyes would tell them there's no way out of this situation. You're bound. There's no way out. You're in the bottom of the prison. There's no way out. Your marriage, is really rocky right now. There's no way out. You've got sickness in your body, and the doctor said it's incurable. There's no way out of what your checkbook looks like. There's no way out of the situation that you're walking through. Because, see, sometimes that's what we see. Instead of seeing with the eyes of our spirit, that literally where the chains are falling off, because if we can't see the chains falling off with our spirit, we're probably not going to see it show up in the natural. Paul and Cyrus began to worship in the dungeon in chains and the Bible says that the earth began to shake, right? Something spiritual was going on that they couldn't see. The earth began to shake and the chains fell off and the prison doors opened wide as they sang and they worshiped. You see, they understood there was a different way to fight a battle. They understood the battle wasn't flesh and blood, the battle wasn't the prison guards, the battle was in the spirit. And when you tap into that, not only are you fighting things in the spiritual realm, but it shows up in the natural. When the super hits the natural, chains break. So maybe it's not that we need to ask God to change our circumstance, maybe we need to ask God to change our perspective of our circumstance. That no matter what we're going through, we learn how to fight our battles the right way because not only did their prison door open, the Bible says that every other prisoner in the place, their doors opened too. Can we just practice what they did and just worship? And let's just sing this out. Let's just practice. Come on. Shout it out. Whether you're watching online or whether you're in here. Come on. Come on. Sing it out. Worship. Worship is how you fight. Come on. You don't have to be here to worship and pray and ask God for those chains to fall. I just want to pray over you as as we leave today. Would you all just lift your hands? And the reason I ask you to lift your hands, it may not be comfortable for some of you, but the reason I ask you to do that is because we've got to start being a little uncomfortable. God doesn't move in the comfortable. Sometimes we got to be a little uncomfortable and just lower our posture a little bit from what we normally feel comfortable with let's just do this I want to say this prayer and if this is the first time you've said this prayer or the 50th time you've said this prayer I just want us to all say this together online you as well just say Heavenly Father we just come before you right now we submit our life we submit everything we are to you we thank you God that our past is gone And we are made new. We're looking forward to all you have in store for us and living a life of freedom without the chains that are binding us any longer. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to subscribe to our channel and join us for online services. If you'd like to learn more about Freedom House or how you can become part of our church, visit our website at freedomhouse.cc.